Hi, and welcome to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kuala Lumpur Online. We hope that the following message will be a blessing to you as you seek to walk with the Lord in spirit and in truth. For more information about our church, please visit www.harvestkl.org or click the link in the description below. Good morning, Harvest Kale. My name is Dan Wright, and I'm one of the elders here at Harvest Kale. On top of being an elder, I also get to play some other roles. I'm the husband of Jessica. I'm the father of Emma and Theo. But I'm also a child of God. I'm blessed. I'm chosen before the foundations of the world. I'm redeemed by the work of the cross. I'm forgiven. I'm an heir. I'm hopeful. And I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit. And I need to remind myself of this over and over again, because I forget that the one who has done all the work of my salvation, the creator of the world, of everything in heaven and in earth, is the one who saved me. I forget that he's my God, and I start to rely on my own strength and my own circumstances to save me. So today, I want to remind myself, and I want to remind you of who we are, We are the children of God who is for us and who is with us. We're called to live loved and sent into the world. Will you pray with me? God, maker of heaven and earth, creator of everything, we acknowledge that you are king over all, over our lives, over our steps. No detail, God, is too small for you. No problem is too large. We confess that we forget. We forget who you are. We forget who we are. We get overwhelmed and discouraged. We fail to live in the hope that we have in you. We thank you for reminders, God, from your word, from your spirit, from your people that you put around us, our brothers and sisters in Christ, about where we find our hope and our strength and our courage. So we ask you to move strongly among us. Help us to see the clarity of your word. Allow this passage in Ephesians to serve as that reminder. Let your spirit work and allow me and my words to get out of the way and for you to be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Harvest KL 2020 is over. Hallelujah. It was a really hard year. It was a hard year for me. It was a hard year for my family. Other than Jessica and my kids, I haven't seen anyone in my family since the summer of 2019. I really miss my mom. The kids have been in and out of school, and we've struggled to build community in the midst of all the uncertainty of a pandemic and the fear that that produces. 2020 also has been really hard for many of you and your families. Some have struggled with employment issues or finances. Some have struggled with health challenges, COVID or otherwise. It's been hard for the world as travel and economies have been devastated by the coronavirus. It's also been hard for governments and leaders as they try and take care of their people in the midst of all this uncertainty. It's also been a hard year for our church. In 2020, we we saw our pastor, Nate, going back to the United States with his family. We also saw 
our worship leader, John, leave us and go back to the United States. We lost Bethany, our director for youth and children. Happily, Bethany is still here with us at Harvest KL, but she's no longer on staff here. So it's been a hard year. So how do we face the unknown of 2021? As a church, our theme for 2021 is rise. Let us go from here. Taken from John 14, 31. It's my hope that this passage from Ephesians, we can get our strength to rise from 2020 and face 2020, 2021, even in all of its uncertainty. The reminder that we are to live in the power of being loved. The practical application of being loved is to then live sent out into the world. Let's read Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an, an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be the, to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet 
and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The title of my talk today is also the main point. Remember who you are. I want us to remind ourselves and remind each other of our identity in Christ that was laid down before the foundations of the world. So what is your identity? Theologian and pastor John Piper says verses 3 through 14 are packed with the most glorious knowledge in the world about God. The point of his giving us this identity is his glory. We are, from verse 3, blessed with every spiritual blessing. Verse 4, we are chosen before the foundations of the world. We're holy, we're blameless. We're chosen in love. We are predestined and adopted as sons and daughters through the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we are redeemed, we're forgiven. And this was a plan to unite all things in him, in heaven and on earth. We are heirs, we're the hopeful, we're sealed, and we're guaranteed. And we're marked by faith in Christ and our love towards the saints. These are the things that I want to remember about myself and I want you to remember about yourself. I'm going to start with a short background about this letter that Paul wrote to, to the Ephesians. The letter begins with Paul identifying himself as an apostle which is an authoritative spokesman for another authority. And that's, he's speaking for the risen Christ. It's written to the church in Ephesus, which was a port city in a Roman province in Asia. Paul probably wrote this from house arrest in Rome. The ESV study Bible describes the themes of this book in this way. Christ one, Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. Two. Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. And three, Christians must live as new people. For Harvest KL, at this time, this book offers us a rich vein of encouragement and knowledge. And it's this idea of living as a new people, living loved, that I want to focus on today. So I didn't grow up as a Christian. It wasn't until I was 30 years old when God finally broke through my stubborn and sinful and rebellious heart. As a new believer, I was on fire with Christ. And I really loved Paul's use of the phrase grace and peace. He used it as a greeting in the beginning of his letters and as a closing at the end of his letters. So as a practice, I started to put that into my email. Like whenever I would send an email, I would always close it with grace and peace. And I love the idea of God's grace going out and the peace that comes with it. But one interesting thing that I've learned in studying uh, about Paul's letters is that he always starts out with giving grace to people in the beginning. And he closes sending people with grace and peace at the end. So and this fits with Harvest Kale's theme of being loved and sent. And it also fits with our theme this year of rise let us go from here. Grace comes to you through the speaking and the reading of the word. And then at the end, grace goes with you as you're sent out into the world. You take it with you. Don't leave it behind. Don't leave it in the book. Don't leave it in your reading. Take it with you to work. Take it with you home. 
take it with you as you're with your kids and with your neighbors in all things and all ways. It is our hope that this grace will be refreshed daily, that it'll be rejuvenated to overcome our worries, our burdens, and we take it and we move out with it into the world. I also want you to remember our theme from our transition, above and beyond. The verse from Ephesians 3.20 reads, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us. The God of the universe is able to do beyond our imagination, beyond our thoughts, and even more than we can ask, and that power is within us. So looking at Ephesians 1, I want to examine our identity. Loved, chosen, redeemed, destined, holy, blameless, forgiven, from some different angles. And the first is who? Who did God choose? What type of people did he choose? Another is, why, when did he make that choice? And then why did he make that choice? And then how does grace work? Who is chosen? The simple answer is you. In my own walk, I'm continually amazed that he chose me. And part of that is that I, I know my own heart, and I know the truth of what is in my heart, which makes this unbelievable story of grace just that to me, unbelievable. And we know that the gates are narrow, and many are called, but few are chosen. But it's my suggestion today that we, as a church, should treat everyone that we meet, all people God puts in our path, as potential brothers and sisters, as possible fellow adoptees into God's family. If we remember who is writing this letter to the Ephesians, Paul, remember who he was, a murderer, a persecutor of the church. But Christ revealed himself to Paul and saved him, the worst of the worst. This should remind us that nothing is beyond the reach of God's purposes to transform, and no one is beyond his reach. When we look at the Bible, what kind of people did God choose? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So we know he chooses the unwise, the not noble, not powerful, fools, weak, the low, and the despised. We know we bring nothing and he brings everything. So who do we belong to? It's really important to remember who we belong to. John 17, verse 6, and this is Jesus speaking, says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of this world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Also in John 6, 37, again, this is Jesus speaking, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. The Father gave us to Christ, and he will not cast us out. I want you to remember that God is with us, 
And that's Emmanuel. That's what we just celebrated at Christmas. And God is also for us. Psalms 56, 9 reads, Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. And also Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So Harvest Kale, remember who you are and to whom you belong, who is for you and who is with you. Now that we've talked a little bit about who has this identity, let's examine when it happened. Making this incredible story of grace even more amazing is what this book and many other parts of the Bible say about when we were chosen. When did it happen? In verse 4 it says, Even as he chose us in him, in that meaning in Christ, before the foundations of the world. This is what Paul is teaching us about who we are and who we have always been. That God chose a people for himself before the foundations of the world. And there are other parts of the Bible that affirm the timing of his choosing. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2.7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And this points to God decreeing the plan of his redemption before the ages. Next, let's also look at, at 2 Timothy 1.9. It says, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of, our, of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. So God blessed us. He us, forgave us. He redeemed us before the creation of earth before the ages, before the foundation of the world. One of my favorite sermons that I've ever heard was from a pastor in Washington, D.C. I remember the sermon very, very clearly, but it was when Emma was just a a little baby and we were pretty sleep deprived. So I don't remember a whole lot of other things that happened that day, but I very clearly remember the sermon. And I remember him pounding on the pulpit repeating the words of Jesus on the cross. It is finished. The work is done. Christ did it all on the cross. We will get to how this changes our approach to life, but I want to pass you the same message. It is finished. You are chosen. You have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. God has done it. This work of God is not just done in the past, but it also continues into eternity. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 5 through 7. Even when, our, when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. All the ages, immeasurable riches, the blessing, it is written, and it's for you, it's for the faithful. It was, it is, and it will be. So why does God do this? The first and most simple answer is because it's his will. All of that according to his will. For the glory of his grace, all of it is God's work, God's gift. 
Now why? Be not because of our works, but because of his own purpose in, in his grace, this undeserved favor that we receive. Going back into that passage that we just read from, from Ephesians 2, tells us a little bit more about the why. Verse, Ephesians 2, verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. The reason is also sprinkled throughout our passage. There is a phrase repeated three times in verses 6, 12, and 14, which makes it very clear what Paul thinks is the goal of God in saving us from sin and for himself. In verses 5 and 6, it's, it reads, He predestined us in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And then again in verse 12, We who first hoped in Christ have been predestined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. And then finally in verse 14, The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. God wants his people to respond to his grace by crying out in praise for the amazing work of that grace. God is praiseworthy. We ought to praise him. The praise of God's glory is a logical result of his action, but it's also the goal and the purpose of his action. Another theologian said, he governs the world precisely to the, to the end that he might be admired, marveled at, exalted, and praised. Second Thessalonians 1.10 says, Christ is coming at the end of this age to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at by all those who believe. C.S. Lewis describes this insight from his book on, on the Psalms. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Praise of the weather, of food, of drink, our children, flowers, mountains. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the, the praise is not, not merely, doesn't merely express, but completes the enjoyment. And again, John Piper says that the purpose of Ephesians, and indeed the purpose of the world, is the praise of his glorious grace. The whole goal of God's mercy his love, his grace, his raising us up is to show the immeasurable riches of his grace. We taste them now, we did taste them in the past, and we'll taste them again. So how does God do this? The simplest answer to this is he does it through the cross. It is the way God gave his only son for us. The meaning of re redemption in verse seven is the release by payment or free freedom from by ransom looking a little more closely at the text we can see that our redemption his grace comes to us in three different ways one our trespasses the forgiveness of them we're freed from the guilt of our sin two the ultimate defects that are in our body will be perfected when we're raised again with christ and three we're freed from the ongoing effect of sin in our lives. So how does that work? Let's look at the passage in Romans 8.3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. 
The key here is that he sent his son in our likeness. And that's the Christmas that we just celebrated. And as we look forward towards Easter, we read in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And again, the key here is that verse 14, he canceled our debts against the demands of the law and he nailed it to the cross. Romans 3, 23 and 25 read, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation is kind of an odd word and, and one that we don't normally use, but it means a payment to God to satisfy and remove his disfavor. But who made this payment? Well, God made it. He sent his son to the cross. And your sins are, are not just swept under the rug. No, they're paid fully by someone else. And he cares for you so much that he sent his son for you. He is both just and our justifier. The cross removed all wrath, all guilt, all hostility. God is for us, totally for us. With that, we get a great freedom to rise and to go. Every single blessing is from Christ through the work of the cross. We have an, an, an inheritance because of him. We are sealed because of him. We're chosen because of him. We are redeemed because of him. He is the one that holds all these blessings together. He did not hold back in offering his son for us, and he will not, not hold back in graciously giving us all things. We have looked at the who, the when, the why, and the how, but this leaves the question of so what? What does our identity get us? What does it call us to? From our identity, we get wisdom, we get knowledge, we get our hearts enlightened, we get hope, we get a rich inheritance, and most importantly, we get the immeasurable greatness of his power. This is indeed such good news to a people who need it and need it now in 2021, more than ever. The wisdom that we get is to know the mystery of his will. And that's a gift that comes along with grace. And we get just enough of that mystery. We don't get to know the whole mystery, but we get enough of that mystery to be able to get through our lives. And we get access to those mysteries by reading his word, by praying, by having the Holy Spirit work within us, by getting together with other believers, being part of a community. We also get it by joining in small groups and hearing other people's insights as God speaks through them to you. We get this insight into God's word and his saving work. And we see that all things work together executed, planned, guided by him. And this is part of that wisdom, that we get to know that he is in control and that he has made the gift of grace to save sinners available to people of all kinds. We get the revelation of knowledge of him. We get our eyes enlightened. We get hope. We get knowledge of the riches of, the, of his glorious inheritance in the saints how much God enjoys when his people return to him. 
we get the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. The in that power is the power to raise Christ and seat him in, at his right hand in heaven, far above any rule, authority, above any power, above any dominion, above every name, not just now, but forever. All things are under his feet, and he is head over all, and he is head of the church. Jesus gave his life for us, and we belong to him, every part of us, body, soul, spirit. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and what became of him after his resurrection shows the greatness of God's power towards us now in this life. There are a couple of practical things that, that I want to do this week, and I invite you to join me in doing them. I want to remind myself who I am. Loved, redeemed, chosen, forgiven. I'm, I will reread this verse in the morning and let it sink in. I'm going to ask God, God to write it on my heart. One way I find helpful to say the words when I don't feel the words is to sing. Sing songs of praise to him, sing songs of worship. And one of my favorite artists during this past year, during this very difficult year, has been Lauren, listening to Lauren Daigle. In her song, You Say, she really sums up the point of my talk today. I'm not going to sing it for you because that would be tragic, but here are the words. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I'm weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when I don't belong, oh, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me, I believe. And then last, I wanna remind someone else, some fellow Harvest KL member, someone in my community, who they are. I will reach out to someone with a message, either a text message or a phone call or a socially distanced visit. Remind them who they are and who has redeemed them. And if we can do these things, we can rise together. We can stand up strong in the face of the, all of the difficulties of life. And after we rise, we need to then go out. We need to go from here. And this week, I'm challenging myself in two ways. And again, I invite you to join me. One is to share my gifts, share all the things that God has given me, to share of my money, to share of my time, to share of my labor, and to do that in a way that's sacrificial, that hurts a little bit, so that I can serve others and give sacrificially of the gifts that God has given me. I also want to find a way to share my faith this week, to find, ask God to open the doors to someone who doesn't know this gift of grace, to share what God has done in my life, because he's done an amazing work. I've been mainly talking to Harvest KL members, but I, I know there's some of you out there who might not yet have put your faith in Christ. We're so glad that you're here today, so glad you're listening, so glad you're watching. And maybe today is the day you, you decide to put your faith in Christ. Or maybe today is the day you can just say a simple prayer. God, reveal yourself to me. Or maybe you have some tough questions you'd like to ask. And if you do, we want you to let us know. Right now, if you go down in the um, chat function, you'll see a link where you can put your contact information. 
and somebody will reach out to you and help wrestle with, with you over those questions that you might have. You can also go to our, our harvestkl.org website and click on I am new and then fill out the connect card and somebody will also be in touch with you. But fellow believers, Harvest KL, I want to encourage you to remember who you are. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You're chosen before the foundation of the world. You're presented holy and blameless in love. You are loved. You're predestined and adopted as sons and daughters. Through Christ, we are redeemed. We are forgiven. And all this was a plan to unite all things together in, in him, in heaven and on earth. We are co-heirs. We are the hopeful. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit as a guarantee of what is to come. These are the things I want you to remember. So let us rise and go from here. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this time that we've had together today. We thank you for all the people that you've called to hear this message. We thank you for blessing us, for choosing us, for presenting us holy and blameless, for adopting us, for redeeming us, for forgiving us. God, you are the author of our salvation. You are the one who puts it all together. And we are incredibly thankful as your children to go from here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.